This is Corrections Unlocked. What's up, guys? I'm Alex Duran. Welcome to Corrections Unlocked. Here at Corrections Unlocked, our mission is to share knowledge, to educate officers, and to inspire growth through our experiences working behind the walls. On today's episode, we have a very special guest in studio. He's an active correctional officer. He's been working with the California Department of Corrections at a maximum security prison for over 18 years. He's the vice president of the mother chapter of the La Raza Motorcycle Club, and he's here to share his experience and knowledge with us today. We have Marcus Stone, everyone. Mark, welcome to Corrections Unlocked. So we're just going to get right into it and start from the beginning. So what was it like going through the academy, and how old were you? So when I when I went to the academy, I was uh, 25 years old, and um, I, I I was in the Marine Corps prior to that, so I kind of knew what to expect as far as uh the the paramilitary that they they said that the academy was like and all this stuff and yeah you show up and they're yelling at you for the first day maybe the first week i don't know and then after that it kind of just mellowed out so it was felt like it was a doggy pony show and then did you guys do like cossets and all that kind of stuff we did cossets we did uh i want to say eight of them damn we we were lucky went to the women's prison you know, it's <laughs> different. Do they take you guys to like Old Folsom? Old Folsom, uh, New Folsom. Uh, both at the time, you know, BSP was a women's prison. Right. Both the women's prisons. Um, I actually went to the academy at Stockton at the prison. Wow. So when you're going through the academy at Stockton, where, your housing's actually there in, a, in the cell? Yeah, I was in building one. Damn. Uh, cell one. 41 or something, I don't remember. So really, like, put put in the setting. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. There was, no, there was no bunkies. We didn't have no cellies or whatever, so it was, it was cool. So you do your 16 weeks and then start working at Corcoran State Prison. What, what was it like your first day working the line? My first day was, um, it was in 304 Control, brand new. Um, keep in mind, I went to, I went to uh, the academy in Stockton never been in a control loop. I mean, I feel like that was something that they messed up on. They didn't have the, uh, we had the resources, we just didn't utilize them, you know? So my first day, I was in uh, 304 controls. Kind of crazy, you know? Guys running around, hey, let me in, pop the door, two guys come out, next thing you know, you got the room out. You know, luckily for me, I had a, I had a good partner that day, so he had some time and he was telling me, hey, you know, do this, do that. It worked out good. That's good. So throughout your time there, you know, working, you said 304 control booth? Yeah, that was that was my first day. That was my first job there. What t- what type of setting is that? That that the time was level 4 GP. Level 4 GP? 270. Wow. So putting your time in there at Corcoran, what are some of the things you noticed your first couple of years? Like some things that you faced, some challenges? You know, the first couple of years I was there, I was very, very active. And, I want, you know, the department's different now than it was back then. Right. I mean, I was on, you know, I, I really didn't get moved around like guys are getting moved around right now in the apprenticeship. I want to say I did like a year and a half on 38. And, you know, I went from, uh, that was my first day in the patrol booth. And then after that, I was in 302. And then I was a SME, and then a yard officer. So. I was all I was in the business, man. I was just running around, running them up, um, <laughs> searching cells, you know, busting dudes. <laughs> so, like level four GP, I'm assuming you saw 
quite a bit of incidents over there. When I first rolled up, the yard was kind of soft. Okay. They had the CID building in Building 5. You know, um, the, yard was, the yard was a little soft, and maybe three or four months after I showed up, they brought the Southsiders over hmm. to, to integrate with the Bulldogs, and that's when things started to get crazy. Right. Yeah, start, things started happening. Um, and the Southsiders just alone, you know, doing their thing, that was that was pretty crazy. Yeah, it got crazy there. Oh, over there on the level four GP at Corcoran, is it? Who are your two biggest fractions on the GP yard? Uh, in Corcoran, I mean, there's there's everybody's over there now. It's it's you know, um, yeah. at the at the time, back then was uh, like I said, the Southsiders, the Bulldogs, um, Blacks, Bloods and Crips. Um, there was a lot of a lot of older guys there, like Vanguard. Right. I don't know if, you know, you guys are something like Vanguard or whatever. Um, shoot, man. Everybody's over there. You know? Yeah. So. Man. So, like, what are, what are some of the, the like, strategies or uh, tactics you've kind of, like, learned over the years working with these level four GP inmates or wherever you've been at at Corcoran? The best tactic, the best tactic that, that I used was element of sprites. That was it. Hmm. That was, and anything we did, the element of surprise was the best tactic. There's no, now, granted, you know, there's things that you can't do nowadays, or there's things that, you know, um, especially with the way things are going. Right. The inmates are acting the way uh, staff is, the way, you know, you got a lot of newer staff working these facilities, these level four GP yards. Um, when I showed up, there was, a lot of senior staff on second watch. I mean, these guys had a bunch of years in. There was a few officers uh, on three that had a couple years in on third watch. But, you know, our sergeant had a lot of time in. Our lieutenant had a lot of time in. So they're kind of schooling on some what to do and what not to do. Right. So, like, being in a setting, you know, 18, 15 years ago, working the line and then trying to work the line now with with cameras and with all the different changes in policy, like what advice can you give to newer officers that are trying to kind of get their flow working in the department? Mm. Very different back in, back then than right. we see with the cameras and stuff. Um, just the department in general, I, I remember showing up to work and watching the yard and it's me and one other guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. You got two guys watching the whole yard out. <clears throat> Things cracked off, you know, you're crawling on the radio. You know, we, we of course we weren't doing the skirmish lines and all that. We we're just running out to like madmen, right? <laughs> so now, I mean, with the cameras and stuff, it, it's kind of it's kind of handcuffed us, right? Well, it's kind of you know reaction. We, we would react before. We would always react, right? React, react, react. Now it's hold on. Let me think about it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think. That's a huge problem is people are starting to think about things and it's getting them hurt. It's getting them caught up or it's getting them, you know? Right. So just that half a second that you think to stop and think, okay, what's going on? Versus before it was like, it was just natural. Right. Boom, boom, boom. Hey, the yard's cracking out. You got on the radio. You, you, you know, you made the call. You got, you got your staff there. You went, you went out there and took care of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Now it's like, okay, well, let me think about it. You know, now I'm on camera. Now, you know. Right. Am I doing it the right way or am I going to get in trouble? Yeah. They're always going to critique you. That's, right. 
that's something that everybody needs to know that no matter what you do, you will you will be critiqued. Right. Even before the camera, you're critiqued. You know, we get thirty seven and they're picking them up yeah, and they're saying, Hey, you know, what about this, this and this? And you use clarifications for things, you're like, What the heck? And you just do it, you know? Yeah. And I think too, like with, with officers with five, ten, fifteen years, you know, they were at a time where they reacted, they took care of a situation. And that was pretty much it. You know, you, you did a little review, a recap of what you did wrong, how to fix it. Now, those cops with 10, 15 years in, you hear an alarm go off, you hear a situation, and it's kind of like, well, hold on, let me think about how to assess this. How do I not get in trouble? And then the newer cops that don't have any experience are the first ones running to it. And as far as training with communication, with actually dealing with these violent inmates, they don't really have any or the training that they were given isn't what needs to be done with our type of setting. And I see a lot of people struggling with that, trying to find their center ground of knowing policy and being on a camera 24-7 in the department. And like you said, you're always critiqued. You're always, in a sense, feel like you're doing something wrong, you know? Yeah. That's, even when you do something else, right. it's just how it's been. That's just how it's going to be. I mean, I, I've... I've Little things that have gone on in the last that have transpired in the last three months that I've been involved in. It's like, are you kidding me? You know, some stuff, yeah, self-inflicted. I know because the the way I used to do things versus the way I do things now. Not that I was doing things wrong before or uh, crossing that line before, but it's just one of those things that you know, effective communication is one of those things that we talked about. You know, they, they teach you from day one, effective communication, verbal deal, all this other stuff. Man, there's no way you're going to talk to a murderer or, or a rapist or talk, sir, don't do that. They don't understand that. So kind of, I feel like we're handcuffed right there, you know? And a lot of people, I think, forget too, like, effective communication can mean a lot of different things when you're dealing with somebody. Well, they don't understand effective communication on a level of, hey, don't do that. Hey, I'm giving you direct order. Well, somebody that has nothing to lose, I mean, that doesn't mean shit. So effective communication, sometimes you got to meet them at that level to where maybe I do have to raise my voice. Maybe I have to let them know, hey, I'm being serious. And I'm not I'm not saying it in a bad way where we got to do all these crazy things. But sometimes meeting somebody at that level will get them to understand, like, hey, you know what? He's not messing around. They're going to do an extraction or they may use force on me because they're being, they're going to about to get resistive. And there's nothing wrong with that, in my opinion, especially when you're effectively communicating with these guys. But sometimes it's critiqued in a bad way to where, hey, you need to do it a different way. You need to approach it nice or, hey, you cussed. Yeah. A guy's, a guy doesn't understand, you know, hey, come out. You know, and he's like, no, nah, I'm going to cover up. And now you're in a situation where this guy's covering up. And you're telling him, hey, man, come out. You know, you're not offering him anything. You're just telling him to come out. And he's like, no, I'm going to cover up. So what's the next step? Right. Where do you go from there? You know, fortunately, I threatened him. And it worked to my benefit and he came out. Yeah. But they don't see things that way. Right. And when you mean by threatening him, I think pretty much what you did was you told him, hey, man, if you don't come out, we're going to we're gonna have to fucking extract you. You told him exactly what was going to be done. But just the way you approached it, it was, um, you know, looked at as a, a negative way. And, and the way I see it is we didn't we didn't have to extract them. Extraction, somebody always gets hurt. The possibilities of, you know, somebody being hurt to where they're medically retired is always there. So uh, 
I mean, I can tell you how many extractions I've been in. It, there's so many people involved in an extraction, you know, for people that don't work in a prison setting. Like, to do an extraction on an inmate, you need your four officers. You need two escort officers. You need a scribe, an officer that's writing everything down. You need, t- yeah, a spike. You need two sergeants. You need a lieutenant. I mean, you got 10, 12 people in play when we just de-escalated all that with, hey, man, you realize if you make us do this, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. All you did was what was going to be done regardless, and you saved a lot of time, a lot of issues, p- potential injuries. So, and honestly, that, that, in my opinion, that way, effective communication, I agree with. I think it works, especially when you're dealing with somebody that's doing 40, 50 years. And this is all they know. You know, this is, this, they're not, they're used to extractions. They've been through them. It's really nothing new. It's just, hey, am I going to do this today? Am I going to, am I going to piss off the cops so that way I can get a little entertainment, you know? That's kind of how they see it. Some of them guys, you know, like the Burkharts and stuff, they, they enjoy that stuff. That's what they want, you know? Um, so yeah, it's these, and it's not even prison stuff. It, these guys grew up like that. Mm-hmm. You know, they grew up on the streets. They grew up, uh, being talked to that way. And, and they understand that. They don't understand, sir. Don't do that. You know, they're going to say, Hey, get off my door. You fucking square. <laughs> and you know, one thing too, I think with the, with the newer generation coming in, whether whatever their background is, I feel like people are having a hard time of understanding how to communicate effectively with inmates. I notice some newer officers may become too strong depending on their background, and they feel like they can yell at an inmate, they can talk down to an inmate. And I'm sure you know this very well. Respect, you know, it's not given. It's always earned. Treat people the way you want to be treated, whether you're wearing blue or green. And I think they, they're having a hard time understanding that. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of officers come in and they, they want to uh, be a badass, you know, and, you know, it, hey, man, someone's going to pull that card one day. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it is what it is. Um, so you can't really, can't be coming in like a badass. You can't be coming in like trying to flex, trying to, they see right through that. Right. They didn't see how many officers they see, you know, other inmates, they see right through that shit. You're right. One thing, too, is a lot of officers, they... I feel like they're trying to too hard to prove themselves in a sense. And when they, they do one thing, they want to go talk about it, brag about it. It's like, hey, man, just try to humble yourself. These cops, these inmates have been doing this for 10, 15 plus years. What you did is just everyday stuff that would go on. I think if they were to kind of just step back and just observe and watch and realize 90% of these inmates are talking and communicating with, with body language with looking directly at you and they're not really understanding that yet be being new into a prison setting you you don't you so with with you know these these newer officers and and some some even staff the time and do it you know Mm -hmm. you want you want their respect you want them to you want to build a rapport without crossing that line you know follow through on what you say hey what's the biggest issue that we have property right Right. People are holding, people are holding cells for property. People are coming out for property. Hey, you tell the inmate you're going to check on this property, make that phone call. Right. Saying, Hey, I called property. They said, you know, you're a week out. Let him decide from there where he wants to go with it. I think that's a big deal is you're communicating with him, you're following through and you're letting him know the outcome. Cause I know if I'm sitting in a cell and it's the tables are turned and I'm talking to you. I'm sitting there waiting, and whether it's today, tomorrow, next week, whether you fell through or not, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you up. Yeah, 
Hey, Mark, what the fuck, dude? You said you're, I've been waiting, dude. So now I'm angry. Now I'm agitated. It's probably going to lead to an incident. It's probably going to lead to me trying to release some anger in a sense. So you doing it that way, man, you've. That's that's something I, I was taught at the academy. Follow through with your word. Give them what they got coming. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, if they ask you a question, try and find the answer. If you don't know the answer, don't don't be asking. They they see through that. Right. Hey man, I don't know. I'll find out for you. Give me a give me a minute, or you know, give me a few. I'm gonna call a sergeant or whatever you got to do. You know. Right. Some of these guys they say yeah 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 yeah, and they blow them off, and then. Guess what? You got to come back to work the next day in that same building. Yep. Remember, like you said, he even remembers. And he's like, "Hey, man," and, and it made me. It uh, the animosity grows towards you, you know. Right. Like, and you hear it all the time. Hey, that officer's a piece of shit. You don't do nothing. He's lazy. He this. He that. Over the littlest things, you know, the littlest things. Hey, you could have made that phone call. You'd have been all right. Yeah, and that, I think just communicating like effectively like that really just calms the tone down in a building. It lets them know. You know, you're a man of your word. You're going to follow through with what you say. You respect them just like anybody else. I think people forget that. Yeah. And, you know, you're taught things, and, and that's a whole separate issue. I mean, I've, I've always wondered why we have sergeants teaching cadets, right, how to be a CO, which they were a CO. One time I get it, probably for two years, most likely, because that's about, you know, right. I was fortunate. My uh, company commander had, like, 20 years in um, do do a lot of stuff. And then uh, the other company commander had like 10 years. And so, but you get these other company commanders teaching these, these cadets stuff. And it's like, man, they, they completely got up their apprenticeship, you know? Right. So I've, been, I've never understood why we don't have senior officers there. Why don't we have, you know, um, the department's afraid we're going to teach them the wrong thing or we're going to do this or that's what, that's where the betting comes in. You know, they should right. take the officers and say, Hey, this, this guy's a perfect bit. Or, you know, this, this woman, she's a perfect bit or whatever. And, and start teaching these, these, uh, New York cat stuff, you know? No, I agree. And one of the things that I learned right away when I was working the facilities is like, Hey, if I have newer officers, I could only teach them so much. Let me bring my two, three best cops and show them the way that I think they need to be trained on this facility. If these two, three cops are doing it, to the best of their ability, they're effectively communicating. And everybody knows that these are the guys that they can go to. Let me call them up and say, hey, this is officer so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. Hang out with them today and observe and learn. When I did that, those officers learned more in that one day than they did in a whole training course or block training, whatever they had to go through. There's on them, you know? Right. We do have that, um, that shop shadow program. Mm-hmm. So we do have that. and. I was, um, I did have shadows at one point and I see some of them, you know, pick up good things and, and whatnot. And they, they, they go on their way and they're good to go. You know, you see other ones, man, you teach them all kinds of stuff and they just go straight for the gutter. Right. You know, it's just, they're just wrong attitude, you know? wrong mentality. And so. I didn't have a job shot on a minute. Uh, I had a little incident where it took an inmate down, and I, I don't think it had anything to do with that, but I feel like maybe it did. I don't know. Um, very violent inmate. I took him down with a job shadow, and, and that was the last job shadow I had. That was, as a matter of fact, it was a year ago. <laughs> so. And honestly, like, that's just part of the job. It was. You know, I mean, CSB Corcoran, level four maximum security prison. People coming off the streets that are getting in trouble, they're going to jail, they're getting sentenced. They're not going to 
a small facility. They're going to Pelican Bay, Corcoran, CSB SAC. And there's nothing new. They're, we, we still have to deal with them. We still have to talk to them, communicate with them. Just because in society they're gone, well, we're the ones dealing with them. And they're not changing their way of life or their attitude within a day or two. Maybe in a few years with programming, they can change. Even then, it's, it's I mean, I feel like it's so divided right now. You have right. your your NDPF yards, your non-designated yards, right? Mm-hmm. Where these guys are, they're doing their best to get out. Most of them. Right. Most of them, not all of them. Because I feel like there's also a lot of uh, uh, narcotics on these yards, right? Definitely. But that, but you can't, you can't uh, say the whole population is bad because of the 10%. Right. 10% is doing whatever and you can't say the rest about it. Now, then you, you, you look over and then in corporate, you got 4B on one side, which is, you know, a great yard, runs great. Inmates have good attitudes. They're they're doing programs. They're doing all this stuff, and then you go across the way to four A. You know, and as soon as you get on the four A, man, four A round is just you know it's it, a whole other ball game. It is. It's gotten a lot better. Um, you know, from before when they were lighting the fires and, and stuff like that. So it's it's uh just crazy. It's night and day. You know. <laughs> so real quick, so for people that don't understand the layout of Corcoran four B facility. It's a level two non-designated facility where inmates can program, walk around. 100 feet away, you have LTRH and SHU, which is long-term restricted housing, security housing unit. Your your worst inmates that have been so violent, they've hurt battered inmates or they hurt and battered correctional officers or staff to where they're confined to their cell the majority of the day. When they come out, it's for program or shower, but these guys are very violent, and most of the time it's involves in an incident with us or medical staff. And knowing that that's just 100 feet away where the just your level of, of anxiety and stress can be from here to here within within 10 minutes, you know. Yeah. How, how long have you worked over there, like in the, the SHU LTRH setting? So, when I, like I said, when I first started, I was on 3A for, for about a year and a half, and I did a little rotation. I went to first watch for three months, and then I went back to 3A after that. And I was there for like another year. And then I, of course, went to ISU, did the ISU thing, did the IGI thing, went back to ISU. Once I left ISU, I want to say I had about eight or nine years ago. From there, I went back to 3A. I was on 3A for maybe a year. So that puts me at what ten? Yeah. And then from there, I went to four A. Went to four A. I was uh, was a yard officer. Best time in my career. That's something that that you know the best time in my career was was when I had great partners. You know what I mean? I think at that time too, you guys ran a solid program. We did. We did. Uh, there was a lot of stuff going on. Like I said before, I won the inmates were lighting fires. Uh, we had an inmate like the whole section on fire. You know? Wow. We were extracting dudes. We were you know, but I had. Solid partner, man. Great partner. So the days were good. Um, I enjoyed going to work. I, you know, I still enjoy going to work now, but I don't want to say enjoy it, but I'm okay with going to work now. And on those days, you know, like Tommy Robinson, you know, my partner, he was, that dude was, that dude's so funny. And we go to work and we're watching the yard and, and we're building rapport with the inmates. We're talking to them, you know, we're going back and forth. And then Robinson, you know, the clowning and all that stuff. It, it was a good time, man, you know. Um, in between all that, you had, like I said, the fires, self-traction, all the, all the you know, bullshit that we had up with. Right. It was okay with it. And you bring up a really good point, man. Like, solid partner. Like, you actually 
didn't mind going to work. You knew, you knew if your partner was there, it was going to be a good day, no matter what you had to do. What is a solid partner to you? So, man, I've had a lot of solid partners. Even even after I left the Army, got a job and went to four eight three, right, which is just you know your your regular administrative segregation building. And my partners in there, they were stand up, good dudes, solid. You know, uh, Carlos Sosaguera, uh, Carlos Perez, and uh, Hector Flores. Man, these guys were on it. You know, they did their job. There was no. Um, no having to pick up the slack. Right. No, you know, uh, when when it was downtime, it was cool. You know, you're, you're chit-chatting. And another, another thing is you got to be okay. Uh, you got to agree to disagree. Right. If you have that ability to do that with your partners, mm-hmm. then your day's easier. Because if you start disagreeing and you start and you don't let, you know, let it go, you're going to take that home. You're going to have a bad day. It's all bad. Right. So I, solid individuals, stand-up individuals, you know. Man, can you imagine... If we were to go to work now and you had two solid officers in a building, you had a solid control cop, how much smoother that program would run? Oh, yeah. And, and nowadays, and I hate to say it this way, but it's just like you have one officer doing all the work, you have one officer sitting there, and he probably has no fucking time in the department, and your control booth is doing God knows whatever up there, not paying attention to movement, not paying attention to you. When when he should be watching everything and uh, man, I, I feel like if nowadays if we can get an understanding to what a solid cop is and you know, hey, if you're gonna put in the work, so am I and hey, if I'm gonna go to the restroom, I'm gonna let you know because I'm in a prison. That's that's not something new because I you know, back in two thousand eight or nine, I'd gone to a fight with a bulldog. I was a one on one fight, was in front of cell one fifty. Um you know, a for, you know, luckily for me, I came out on top, right? I'm a big dude anyway, right. but luckily for me, I came out on top. Um, I had dude on the ground. I told wasn't even watching, you know, after I, you know, I asked him to open the door. Right. The guy was, uh, he had some contraband, didn't see me, asked him to open the door. I threw a blanket in the toilet so he couldn't flush it. I knew he was going to go for the toilet. We ended up, we ended up chucking him. I'm just chucking up Mondays, you know what I mean? Right. So we had him chucking on the head. I'm on the ground, and I'm, I'm like, hey, you know, uh, call for backup. Because I, I had his, his hands, obviously, I want to go to reach, you know, hit my alarm or, or right. the radio or whatever. And the patrolman cop looks at him, he goes, what's going on? Like, oh, oh, man. Kidding me, man. So, yeah, I, I test for that, you know. But that's been something that's been going on for, for ages, you know. People not paying attention. People, other priorities or, or hey, you know what? You got a you got an officer on the floor. There's an inmate trying to come in. That dude can wait. You know right. I mean? There's a guy trying to come out. That guy can wait. You know your partner should matter more most. You know you should always keep your eye on your partner. You should always know where your partner's at. If your partner's one on the tier, don't let him one on the tier by himself. Right. You know I understand like pipe when we have the uh, pipe system or whatever. You know officers go out there to pipe or whatever. But as far as and the control is watching them, you know. But as far as uh, your officer, your partner going out there to search a cell or to don't leave him in. Right. Don't be lazy. Don't sit there. Don't. Guy, he's got it. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. I, I would hate seeing that too. It's like you learn a long time ago. Like, hey, if you're in a building, if your partner goes to the restroom, goes on the tier, goes approach something, I don't care if you're eating. I don't care if you're, you're doing your paperwork. You stop doing what you're doing and you go with them. It's a sign of respect, and every inmate in that building is watching it. Yes. They know, like, hey, dude, these guys go together, or these girls go together. 
Like, if we're going to do something, we need to be careful because they're on their shit. But if you have an inmate that can distract you and you have your partner over there reading some fucking magazine about surfing and you're over there trying to go check homeboy because you saw him pass something, you don't know if he's going to hit you up. You don't know if his partner's, maybe it's a big, a big drop off with a couple hundred bucks, a couple thousand bucks worth of dope, meth, heroin. Hey, you know what? Maybe it's time for me to check this cop or, or go off on him because if I don't, and they find my dope, shit, I'm gonna, I'm no good on this yard. So if you're in a situation like that, you, your partner always has to know where you're at. Exactly. That's a big deal, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, you have a lot of time, a lot of experience. What what, what do you do on your downtime when you're not at work to, to stay level, to, to stay upbeat, man? Because you got a good attitude. You got a good head on your shoulders. You brought it up earlier. You're, you're a big dude, man. Like, I think if people saw what a correct officer looks like, You'd be key to that. What are you? Do you like six something? Uh, six, six and some change. Jeez, man. <laughs> On a good day, 305, 310. <laughs> Honestly, like I think when people think of prison guards, correctional officers, that's what they think they look at. And then, and then they see me, you know, I'm fucking 5'8", 185. Like, what the fuck is that? But you, I think you have the the whole look of what a fucking correctional officer is, man. You know that's that's <laughs> funny because I, I I always tell people I you know I, I feel like my size have saved it saved my house a time or two. But, <laughs> yeah, you know even it's like should I do this? Should I not do this? Like hey, this is a big dude or you know and and, and there's times where and I know this because there's times where I'll be escorting down and be like you know sizing me up and you know talking, <laughs> yeah. talking shit saying oh, I'll be you are like, right. obviously you do. So unfortunately it doesn't work for me. I've been in that situation. They're, they're sizing me up and they're like, yeah, we can fuck this dude up all day long. So I've been beat up quite a bit, but so what do you do, man, outside of work to keep you going? You know, that's, that's a good point, man. Cause I, that's one thing I've been, I, I tell when I had shadows and that's one thing that, you know, officers now it's like, Hey, what are your hobbies, man? You gotta have hobbies. You gotta have something to, to get away. You know, you're a seal for eight hours a day. Unfortunately, some of you 16 can get held over. But, uh, yeah. you know, um, eight hours a day, you, you go out and get out of work. What do you do? You go home and kick the dog. You go home and drink. You go home and sit on the couch. Well, what is it that you do? You got to have some kind of hobby. You got to have some kind of, you know, whether it's some kind of sport, you know, or even um, even uh, disc golf or whatever, you know. So right. Me personally, I'm in a motorcycle club. Been with the motorcycle club for five years. Um we're not just a motorcycle we, we are a motorcycle club with foundation, but we're not just a motorcycle club. We do a lot of community service. We do a lot of, you know, giving a huge thing for us is Christmas time. Uh, the city of Corcoran, we're trying to get together uh, 300 bikes, skateboards, and scooters so we can donate to the city of Corcoran for the kids. Um, that's just something, you know, it, it keeps me busy. It's a second job is what it is. I'm right. the vice president of the mother chapter, so... It's a full-time second job, you know? That's awesome, man. You're giving back to the community. You're helping out, doing charities. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're nonprofit now. Um, yesterday, last time, as a matter of fact, you know, the trunk or treat, huge. I mean, there was thousands of people out there, you know, little kids, candy, all that stuff. I'm trying to trying to bring things to the valley, this area, for people to do um, without the drama and the, the, the BS and all that, you know? That's awesome, man. The La Raza Motorcycle Club, is it more than just, is it just correctional officers or is there other people involved in it too? There's, there's CEOs in the club. Um, the, the locksmith of the prison, Eddie, he's, he's the president, the mother chapter. Awesome. The other locksmith, Ed, 
he's in the club, you know, got a couple more officers in the club. So it's, it's not just, it's not just correction officers. I mean, it's welcome, you know, seals are welcome to, to come and check it out. And they want to join, they want to join. If they don't, we're, we're not, we're not, we're not, uh, we're not helping people to join. We're not begging people to right. have a lot of members. So we're, we're good. And, and as far as the rest of the membership goes, a lot of stand up solid individuals, you know, they're productive. Um, they have families, they, they have work, you know, they're doing things, you know, no matter what their walk of life was or where they came from, they're trying to, you know, uh, be a better man. They're trying to uh, better other men and, and trying to do things for people, you know, people that, that we look at now and realize that we were in that situation at some point. Most of us, if not all of us, I'm pretty sure all of us were in the same situation these kids are in that we're donating to. You know, Christmas time is coming, right? These kids don't know any better. Um, we've gotten to places where you take the kid, a, a candy cane from the 99 cent store, and they're, they're freaking ecstatic because they have nothing. That's awesome. You know, December, kids are running outside with no shoes on, and it's like, man, you wish you could do more, but there's only so much you could do, and, and we're trying to, we're trying to, um, we're trying to step our game up. You know what I mean? That's cool, man. And if somebody wanted to check out like your guys' club or, or, or anything like that, how can they get a hold of you guys? So we have a, a Facebook page, right? We also have an Instagram page, LaRasMC. Uh, Look us up. You have questions. You, you want to come check us out? Shoot us a message. I'll answer the message. I'm on the Facebook page. Um, we have a YouTube page. We're, do, we're doing all kinds of stuff, man. We have a guy in our club. He's doing music. He's making music videos. Um, he's got a couple artists under his belt. He has a studio. Uh, so we're just we're doing things different. You know, we've had concerts. We had we had a huge concert this last June with Lisa, Lisa, MC Magic, Frankie J, uh, right here in the right here at the uh, convention center. So that's awesome, man. I think you know having a hobby outside of what we do here, working in a prison, dealing with these type of issues and stress. I think the outlet you use is, is key, man. I think it keeps you leveled. Uh, I think a lot of people look up to you for what you do. I think you have a good head on your shoulders, man. People are always going to talk. It is what it is. It is what it is, man. That's, uh, that's since day one, it's, it's, there's a lot of naysayers and haters and there's people that, you know, it just comes with the territory, man. Right. Man, if you could give these newer correctional officers or anybody listening some advice working in a prison, What's something you can shoot at them? My, my best advice is is just be you. You know what I mean? Be you. You know, don't go in there trying to act like you're a badass or you're this type, you're this individual who this or that. They see through that shit, man. Right. Um, and the and, and the best thing to do is you have a lot of good officers. You have a lot of good officers at corporate. You have some not so good officers, right? Pick and choose what what traits you pick from these officers, you know? Yeah, I like the way he did this. I like the way he did that. I like the way she did this. I like the way she did that. I don't like the way so-and-so handled themselves, or I don't like the way that so-and-so is chilling in the office while their partner's out doing self-search. So I'm not going to do that. You know what I mean? Right. So take the good and the bad and, and realize, hey, this is what I need to be doing. This is what I don't need to be doing, you know? Yeah. Um, just a little bit from everybody, man. You learn a lot. So... You know, um, follow the rules. That's another thing. <laughs> follow the rules, you know? Right. A big thing at Corcoran is the face shield thing, right? Yeah. 
wear a face shield, man. Uh, if it's a rule, follow the rule. Um, you, you know, you want to, guys want to say, well, this and this and this. Well, no, here's, here's the deal, man. We have face shields for a reason, all right? I feel like that's a huge issue right now. We have face shields for a reason. They're writing people up for not wearing their face shields for a reason. It's like your mom and your dad telling you, hey, don't do that. Don't do that. You're going to hurt yourself. And then you go do it and you hurt yourself, right? I told you not to do that. Well, nobody wants to get gassed. Right. They're telling you to wear the face shield. You have it on correctly. It's going to save you a lot of heartache and a lot of, again, getting gassed isn't fun. Um, you got that face shield on that protecting you. You know what I mean? So just do what you're told. Do do what they ask you to do. You know, you bring up the facial. That's a, that's a huge thing. And I think what people don't realize, you know, if you have your face shield up and you get gassed by an inmate, you're not covered under medical after that because you just violated policy. And that sucks, especially when you have to get the cocktail shot or you're out, you're out. Yeah. And then you're seeing doctors, you're feeling sick and you could possibly get exposed to something and you're not covered under your medical under the state because your face shield was up. And as much as that sucks, that's, yeah, I'd like to see them. I'd like to see them, you know, the, the, Prison system provide more face shields, right? Newer face shields. I get it. They're you can't see through them. Uh, they're dirty. You know, in an emergency situation, what are you doing? You grab the face shield. You ain't got time to clean it. You know what I mean? Right. And you know, any any supervisor, counselor, if they go and have to talk to a max custody inmate, and they put a face shield on, <laughs> the second they put it on, the first thing they want to do is pick it up because it's so uncomfortable. It's it fogs up. It's scratched up from you know a thousand incidents. So I get it, you know, and it, it sucks wearing it. No, yeah, there's sergeants, lieutenants getting written up too for for the same thing. And no, you bring up a good point. If we had new face shields or just new screens, it'd make it a hundred times better just to see through those things. Another thing you brought up that I want to touch on too is, you know, we when I worked, there was always people I looked up to or kind of like. You know, that's a role model to me or, hey, I want to be like that person or I'm going to take those traits from this person. Nowadays, I think if you have that eight to 18 years in the department, you need to realize we're those people. There is no, I want to be like that person. It's, I want to be like you. So if you're that person in the department where you're working and you have experience, you have time, be that person that these officers can look up to. Set that example for them. Because it just takes one. It takes one cop to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to go mop this this ADSIG unit. And they see you doing that, and two, three-year youngster with a Navy SEAL vest on, he's going to be like, oh, shit, maybe I need to jump on board. So if you're that guy or girl, and you know a lot in the department, and you, you've been through a lot, be that person that they can look up to. You got you got to set that tone. Because if you don't, they're just going to see you sitting and, and, and not not doing anything, well, maybe that's their, they're going to think that's okay. Yeah. yeah. We all have, we all have our days, you know, we all have our days where, you know, you're, maybe you're just not feeling well. Not, I don't want to say sick, but maybe you're just not feeling well. Do you work, you know, back-to-back doubles or whatever? Mm-hmm. I think that's no excuse, but at the same time, you know, no, no excuse to not do your job. You know what you're doing. You sign up for overtime, you work back-to-back doubles, you know, you got to come to work and do your job. But we're, you know, we all have our days where, 
Maybe you are going through something, you know what I mean? And you aren't, you know, feeling well or whatever. Um, you're not there mentally and whatnot, but that's a tough one, man. I want to say when I hit nine or 10 years in the apartment is when I started getting that correctional burnout. You know what I mean? And it, that's a real thing. That's yeah. a real thing. Oh, like a lot of guys, a lot of men and women, they go through that. You know what I mean? Some go through it at four years, some go through it at eight years, 12 years, whatever, but it happens and it's always revisited. You know, right. There's times where I'm like, man, I just do not feel like going to work today. You know, I'm just not, just not there. It's just not there. It's so cool, you know. Man, I remember talking to some of these guys that have been doing this a while, like yourself, and they would tell me when they worked in a building, hey, I, I would call my partner and say, hey, you know what? I'm sick. I got a cold. And they'd be like, hey, man, no problem. We got you. He knew if he was sick, he would still show up to work because his partners would bring him day quill they'd bring him vitamin c or their wives would make them a soup they would make sure he was able to sit and rest while they picked up that slack for the one or two days because that's how much respect they had for their partners and that's how much respect hey you know what i work with these guys five days out of the week they're gonna be there five days out of the week and that's a huge thing man when you go to work and you're sick and you know your partner's wife made you pasole and your other partner's bringing you all these sick medications from Mexico, you're taken care of, and you, you feel that. Nowadays, I mean, I haven't seen or heard anything like that, but. I feel like we're on the go. Mm -hmm. we're, just, we're just on the go with the stuff that we're tasked with throughout the day, with the programs, with everything going on. Um, programs is a whole different thing, because, you know, we're going right. a big change right now that, I mean, I, I really want to get into that. <laughs> You know, you want to go through that big change, and, and they're talking about giving these guys more out of time sell. Right. Out of sell time. Uh, rewarding them, basically, for their bad behavior and stuff and whatnot, which, yeah, that's that's a whole state issue or whatever. And, and we have to adapt and overcome. You know, they're saying, hey, do this. You value your job. You know, you're going to do it. Right. You know what I mean? Hands down. And it does create a black cloud amongst one another. Um, I want to say that. The highs are high, the lows are low. When people start, you know, the negativity, it, it weighs on you. It weighs on you. You know, we're going through changes. Hey, we're deleting these jobs. Or, hey, and somebody just sits there and it's like, man, it's just really, really negative. And, and it's hard to it's hard to uh, see the positive stuff in the world. You know what I mean? Right. And you just, you got to find a way to just uh, absorb it, but but don't play into it or fall into that right because once you start falling into that and you start spewing the negativity yourself and you're it's you're in there yeah being able to adapt i think is huge and you've been doing this for a long time so i know you've seen changes left and right and being able to adapt and, and be where you're at now and be a part of a, a club like this i think it's awesome man yeah it's you know survival of the fittest man it's not how fast you are it's not how strong you are and it's not how uh smart you are you know what i mean mm -hmm. it's, can you adapt and overcome? So, and, and we face those challenges. It was like, you know, every other month. It is what it is, man. It is, you know. There's a lot of changes, and it gets harder in a sense, too, with, with all these different things being looked at and things that you need to do on a day-to-day -day basis. But I think if we all sat there and asked ourselves, hey, what can I do differently today? What can I do differently to help myself grow, to be a better officer, a better person? What can I do different right now? And actually did it. It would just help us as a whole in the department. Oh, yeah. 
that CO highway thing where, where information gets passed, we tread lightly with that stuff because you hear things and you're like, that's not even true. Right. If you're in the know, you know it's not, it's not true. But a lot of people don't know it's not true. So they hear this stuff and, they, and they, it affects them. It affects you. It does. If you, if you allow it to affect you, it's going to affect you. And it does affect a lot of people. No, you're right. And I think the, the most experience, you know, you're going to get is from the person that's doing it now. You know, the person that's walking that beat, the person that's been through it. And a lot of officers, that's how, that's how they get all their training. And ho hopefully, you know, it's somebody like yourself where they can actually pass knowledge in a positive way and share it and say, you know what, you're doing this wrong, do it like this. And unfortunately, we have those few people that don't care to share or, or they don't want to help because they don't want to get in trouble or they're not understanding the concept or they just kind of gave up. Yeah, I could see that, the giving up thing and... and... You know, the not sharing stuff is, is uh, you know, if I, if I see an officer do something, I'll tell him, like, bro. And it, it happens to me. It happens to me sometimes, you know what I mean? Right. Um, the more senior cop, you know, will tell me, hey, I think the other day recheck and said, hey, you know, I'll, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it happens, man. It's, 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 it is what it is, you know? And, uh, you know, you just got to. We're we're so busy throughout the day. Right. It's hard to take time to say, hey, you know, and then and then again, uh, reinventing the wheel, man, with the cameras and stuff. We're learning how to do the job differently, you know? Right. Going back to the, you know, communicating and all that stuff. Fortunately for us, we still know how to communicate, you know? Um, and there if there is a lack of communication, they're not asking me, how do I do this or how do I do that? You know? You get some good officers that do. You get some good newer officers that do, but some just they know it already. They know what they're doing. So they just do what they do. And you're like, what are you doing? And, you know, people think because, like, cameras, oh, well, we're getting in trouble for everything or we're, we're doing things bad or the society looks at it like, oh, well, they're getting cameras because of all the bad things they've done. And I went to a training to go over this, and they said 95% of the staff complaints and allegations they get are all false. They're all falsified. So that means, yeah, 4 or 5% are things that are, we're picking up, we're addressing, and we're fixing. Nobody's perfect as a whole. We're going to have those few bad apples, those few bad issues, but we're fixing it, we're addressing it. But the way that we have cameras, it's, it really takes a toll on, on officers when you're wearing it eight hours a day. And you're, you're consciously like, did I do this right? Did I do this wrong? You know? You're worried about your time hack. Hey, did I get six and a half hours? You, you know, you're <laughs> You turn your camera off for a strip out and then walk away and then 10 minutes later, beeps, like, hey, you didn't turn your camera on. You're like, oh, man, there was, there was my time. And, you know, it's all this stuff. It, it, it does weigh on me. I think it's getting better, though, from where it started. I think it's definitely gotten a lot better. I think people are understanding that it's not as bad as they thought it was going to be. I remember when we were getting these cameras, people were like, hey, I'm retiring. Yeah. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> well, that's like with anything else we've done, you know, like with the buff transition. When we transitioned from the, the – uh, 38s to the block. A lot of people were like, oh, you know, what are we going to do? This and that. And I want to say that everything that we've done in this department with the pipe system coming online, online and stuff, people are like, oh, well, you know, what am I going to do? I'm just going to retire. I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to do that. And we go through the trials and tribulations of this and, and they fine tune things. And at the end of the day, we're all right. Well, we've always been there. We're going to be on that. And, you know, being, being a correctional officer, it's, it's not necessarily a negative or bad thing. I just, I think our environment is so negative and so bad. It just has the outlook of that. I mean, I think you make pretty good money, you know, working for the state. And I think people forget as a correctional officer, there's so much flexibility. You know, you, you work 
your 40 hours a week, or you can work 80 hours a week. If you want to take time off, you can do swaps, meaning you can work a double shift and be off uh, a third day for that week. If you want to start a new hobby, a new career, or go back to school, you, you have the ability to do that to where if you work somewhere else, a regular eight to four job in a bank, you, you can't really do all this. You can't take another day off unless you want to burn your time. So we got to look at the positive of it too. And we do make good money. And, and I'm hearing, and I don't know how true this is, again, another rumor, one to three new cops is quitting a month, which which uh, blows my mind. You know what I mean? Uh, part, part of that society, you know, minimum wages going up. Uh, I'm not trying to get minimum wage, but these these kids, and I say kids come in, and they're making, how much does a new officer make? 28, 21 bucks. Right, yeah, roughly. They're looking at that. Well, I could just go flip burgers at even now for 25 bucks a year, you know? So yeah. They're not patient. They're not waiting for those those raises and those step raises, and they, they end up taking them up, you know, which is unfortunate. Because it blows my mind that I was talking to an officer yesterday. I said, how much time you got in? He told me 10 years. And I said, what's your seniority number? He said, 325. He's knocking on the doorstep with 30% in 10 years. And, wow. Which blows my mind, you know what I mean? Uh, I want to say it took 15 years, and this was only a few years ago. So that just goes to show you that uh, that, that that gap's closing. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. The, the the majority of the department in the next few years, I think, is going to be full of officers with three years or less. Yeah. We're going to hit that kind of plateau where we're at that point where 20, 30 years ago, when these prisons were opening and being built, well, those officers are retiring. And we got to fill in these numbers with a new generation. And just, you know, talking to somebody like you with time and experience and that knows how to effectively communicate, I think would really be beneficial to the newer generation. I think just stop and listen and and kind of get an understanding for all these years of experience, how you did it, how we did it. So that way they can incorporate into their daily, their daily routine when they're going to work. It's not going to teach them the right stuff, you know, and it's at the end of the day, we're responsible for them, whether they do good or bad, you know, because yeah. they do something good, they learn something from me, they do something bad, they also learn something from me, you know? Right. So. And, you know, you got to hold everybody accountable, you know, whether you're a supervisor, if you're a sergeant, hold yourself accountable. If you, if you make a mistake, you make a mistake, fix it. If you're a lieutenant and you make a mistake, fix it. It is all the way up. Captain, manager level, we got to hold ourselves accountable, you know. Even, even dealing with the inmates, accountability, like we were saying earlier, any follow through, hold yourself accountable, man. You, you know, hey, the, you know, the day, let's say the day ends and you didn't get a chance to make that phone call. Don't be lazy. Go out there. Hey, man, my bad. I forgot or I, I didn't have time, but I'm going to talk to him first thing in the morning and we'll get it squared away. You know, that'll buy you some time the next day, fall through. Yeah. Because if not, these, these guys, are, you know, they see right through. Right. Your word, you know, holding your word and going back to what you said. And hey, you know what? I told this guy I want to follow up with it. Let me go. I'm, I'm going to leave in 10 minutes, but let me go tell him, hey, you know what? We'll follow up with it tomorrow. I got busy. I didn't forget. Somebody sitting in the cell 22 hours a day, that means a whole lot to them, you know, compared to the other officer that's just like, well, I forgot, fuck it, whatever. Yeah. They go about their business, they sign out, go home, do whatever they're going to do. Well, the next day they get to work, happy-go-lucky, and they're dealing with dude fucking pissed. They don't realize they could have just avoided a whole, yeah, he sat there all fucking night. This motherfucker, <laughs> let me see how I could gas him. At 8.30 when I see him. They know your schedule. You know. They know that, that, you know, you're usually the first one that does the pipe, or you're usually the second or third, or you, 
you do things this way and you do things that. They're watching you. They're watching you. How, how many times have you, how many times have you seen somebody at Target or Walmart staring at you and you're like, well, who is this dude? Like, you know, and then you look at him, they look away and then they're looking at you, you look, man, he looks familiar. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't remember them, but they remember you. Oh, yeah, they do. That's, uh, happened. Yeah. Those man, dude pulled up in his truck and he's like, what's up, Gene? And I was like, hey, man. I was like, what's up? <laughs> you know, I was on my bike and he goes, oh, I'm just chilling. I was like, all right. On. I'm like, man, I know this guy, but where do I know him from? He goes, you don't remember me, dude. I says, nah, where I know you from? He goes, 483 40, right, sell 10. And I was like, oh, what's up? <laughs> you know? That can be scary. It, it could be. A, yes and no. I mean, uh, it can be. You're right. Um, this dude was cool. He was like, man, I got a good job. I got bought this truck. You know, I was like, ah, oh, it's good for you, man. You know, stay out of trouble. It took off. So. It's good, man. It, it, it shows that your attitude in a prison, you treat people the way you'd want to be treated. You're, you're being fair because they're an environment out to where most free game. Do whatever the fuck I want to do to this dude, and if they're approaching you that way, it it lets you know how you are working in a prison setting. And I get I, I've had that happen a few times. They're like, "Hey," and they call me by my last name, and I'm like, "Oh shit, that's either a cop or that's either an inmate." Yeah. And luckily, you know, all my accountabilities are cool. How are you doing, man? Oh, I'm good. Oh, cool. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And they're they're telling you everything that they wanted to do while they were sitting there. They're doing now. Right. And I say, "Hey, man, good for you." positive feedback that's, that's awesome i'm running a business now i'm doing this and that's cool yeah they're human beings, they're human beings and again and some of them there they messed up once some of them there they're, they're they've been there multiple times and you know you as an individual can't be judging a certain type of way you have to kind of uh, give them what they got coming show them the respect and where they go from that is where you're going to go from that you know um at the same time, it's a fine line. You cannot give too much, right? Giving up the house or, or even even becoming so close to these days where you become a tardy. Right. I mean, because that's something that that I think we have a hard time with the newer generation is, okay, how do I be firm, fair, and consistent? Well, let me give them a lunch. That's not how you do things. You know, um, if a guy needs toilet paper, Right. If you're working in that city, you know, this is ink seal cutting your toilet paper. Give them a partial. That's it. It's toilet paper. It's right. free and paying for it. I'm not saying give them, give them a roll or give them a box. That's where you have to decipher like, okay, you know what? Hey, it is the end of the week. Uh, supplies are tomorrow or supplies are the day after tomorrow or dude's been sick, whatever. Make that decision. That's, that comes with the tech, you know, knowing your building, knowing your inmates, knowing what's going on. Some guys, hey, the day after, uh, Supply issue. Yeah, I need some toilet paper. They want to roll. Don't give them a roll, dude. That's, you know, you got to kind of, you got to kind of know what you're, you know, what you're, where the boundaries are. You have boundaries. Right. And that's something that, that guys don't understand. They're too hardcore. Like, I ain't giving you nothing. I ain't doing this. Hey, guy says, I want soap. And you peek in the cell behind him. He's got nothing on the walls. You know, he's not, you know, he's not, you know what I mean? Right. You search the cell. You know, he's not abusing the soap. Um, you gotta stop and think like, okay, well, do I want to give this guy a partial soap or no? Do I want him to stink or do I not? You know what I'm saying? You gotta escort that dude. Right. I'd rather have him be clean and, and, and then, you know, instead of all stinky, you know? So you just, 100%. Things that you, you pick up, you know, you learn. Um, but again, do not give the house up. You know, if it, 
inmates see you coming a mile away and, and yep. there's officers who are, who are like Amazon Prime. You know, they hit that cell right they hit that tear right away and they're just delivering Yeah, man. I mean be being reasonable, I think is huge. If you're dealing with a situation, be reasonable. You know? Like, hey, I need I need toilet paper, man. Well, if we just did supplies yesterday, come on, man. Is that reasonable? If you if you got this yesterday, come on, really? Now, if you look in a cell, he doesn't have anything. Maybe somebody stole something from him, or maybe he just came in that morning or late late last night. You don't know. Look him up. Be reasonable. You know, you don't got to be fucking Mr. Military. No, you know. Talk to him normal. Look into it. But like you said, firm, fair, and consistent. Know your ground. You know, know where, know where you stand. You got to boundaries, man, because if not, these guys, you know, um, you know, incidents where officers are getting dropped and stuff, and it's like you, first of all, you let your guard down. Second of all, you know, you, 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 uh, let's see how to put this. I, I mean, you, bottom line, you let your guard down. You know? That's it, yeah. Deal with these guys. Uh, you know, we were taught a different way. We were taught, what's the difference between level one and level four? There's no difference, all right? That's how we were taught. With that being said, that doesn't mean I'm going to go in there all gung-ho and, and start, you know, hey, you know, this and that, blah, 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 yelling at these guys and treating them straight back. No, they're, they're, they're grown men, you know. Mm -hmm. Let them dictate where you're going to go with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, make another fine line. Don't let them dictate so much to where they're running things, you know. So that's something that, that I think uh, the ability to do that, I think that just comes with time. And I think that comes with, again, you know, looking at hey, this officer, senior officer, or maybe not. Maybe the officer has, you know, four or five years in. They're squared away. He did this. Uh, she did this a certain type of way. That's how I'm going to do it. You know, know what you're doing because people are, people are getting hurt, man. People are going to get hurt. Right. And, you know, these inmates, they're mind readers. They, they read body language. They read right through you. They'll see you arguing with an officer or your partner. And they'll feed on it. They'll fucking, oh, you know, hey, so-and-so is being dumb. And they want you to agree. They want to cook you so they can kind of build that rapport. And like, a, there's nothing wrong with talking, bullshitting, but know your ground. Because eventually it's going to lead to, hey, man, it'd be cool if I could just do this. Or, hey, man, you know, I'm so-and-so, I'm going to pass to this and this and that. And how much you want to let go, it's up to you. But realize you're opening up so much more than you're really seeing. You have no idea what's really being passed that envelope what's really being passed in that box so they'll drop the down on you real quick like, hey, where'd you get the weapon from oh well, officer so-and-so said i can i passed it to this image you know right me, i was passing <laughs> yeah so knowing how to set that tone and and knowing how to check certain people you know it, it sets the tone for the whole building all the inmates in there they know what you're about they know what you're going to allow and when you and your partner are working together man that's that's scary. That's solid. When the inmates see that, they're like, oh, fuck, you know, <laughs> these guys are running a tight program. And for the inmates that are lifers that are doing a hard time, dude, they respect the shit out of that because they're, they're going to know you're not going to let these kids run around doing stupid shit they shouldn't be doing. They got a lot of time to do and they live there. They don't want a house that's loud. They don't want a house that's being fucking tossed up. They want a house that's quiet. They want a house where they can come in and go out and everything's cool. They can talk. Like, that's it. How many times, you know, in the past did you hear, well, this is, and I'm not, I'm just, just saying three, let's just use 305 as an example. How many times have you heard in the past, oh, well, on second watch, it's a madhouse in there, but on third watch, it's the best building. 
it's because how the cops are in the building all the time. You know, and I'm not saying that's going on now. I don't even know who works in bureau firing. <laughs> that, you know, hey man, that's that's the worst building on second watch. You know, because right. they just let them run a block and then third watch. It's hey, these inmates know that these officers mean business and and they know the repercussions of, of how they act. So the building's the best building. You know, it lets you know there's no nothing different. The inmates aren't different. The setting's not different. It's the two individuals working, you know, and, and that, that says a lot about that person, that individual, how much they care and how they run their area. And if you're getting paid to do this, we get paid pretty decent money. Do your job, you know what I mean? Yeah. And in the end, it's going to save you a lot more stress and anxiety. It's going to save you a lot more issues that are you're going to possibly create. People don't see, like, if I have an issue with an MA and I let him do whatever, or if I'm disagreeing with my partner, the next day, if I'm not there and there's a non-regular working, those inmates are going to expect that. They're going to expect weakness. They're going to expect what I gave them. And if I did something that they didn't, they weren't supposed to have, I just made it that much harder for that other cop. All right. How many times do you hear it? Well, so-and-so lets me do it. All the time. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. Well, fuck yeah. so-and-so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it just, man, I... No. If you paid good, just do your job. And and as far as the, the stress and creating more problems for you, don't create more problems for yourself because we already have enough problems as it is. We have enough problems with this job doing your job because of the brightness, because of the the interviews, because of the, you know, hey, we're, you know, you have, all of a sudden Ames wants to interview you over something that you did allegedly when you know you didn't do it. And now you're starting to back of your head. Are they going to try and ask me something? Are they going to try and trip me up? They're going to try and this. They're going to try and you start thinking about you know all the what ifs. We already have enough problems, man. We already have enough uh, stress. So don't create more by you know doing things you shouldn't be doing. Right. And you know, speaking about aims and interviews, like if you're an officer and you're being interviewed because you're in an investigation, make sure you you call your union. Make sure you you reach out to an attorney because we're paying for all that. If you if you see a hardcore level four inmate, you know, a few years ago, and you go and talk to him, you know what's going to happen? He's going to bring somebody with him. He's going to bring somebody with him to validate what you told him and to make sure that there was nothing talked about that didn't need to be talked about. Same thing goes for us. If we're going to be interviewed and investigated, bring an attorney with you, call your union rep, call CCPOA so that way you can have representative because we have that coming. There's nothing against any officers, but if you're a newer officer and you don't know policy that well, you need to make sure you're getting your representation. So, yeah, that, that's all it comes down to. You know, it, it's it's crazy bringing that up, how, how the inmates, you pull one out of their playbook, right? So, and the, the ability, our abilities in the past were, we were institutionalized. As officers, we were institutionalized. We did things, we did things, um, because we, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're institutionalized, basically, you know. Now, they don't want us to be institutionalized. They want us to be professional. They want us to be, you know, all this other stuff. And, it, man, it's that, that itself is stressful because, again, these guys don't understand. Sir, don't do that. Sir, you know, man, you're tripping. You're, you know, get away from my door, square-ass motherfucker. And all of a sudden, you're saying, oh, yeah. yeah, what do I do? You know, I'm going to walk away from my Yeah. No, that's what you do. <laughs> Let me ignore them and just pretend that didn't happen. Go away. Go. No. You know, you turn things out, you snatch something and go away. No, you're right. Well, it's been fun, Mark. 
Thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us on Corrections Unlock for sharing your story, man. I'm sure there's a lot of knowledge just talking here. People can can kind of relate to because this is stuff we do on a day to day basis. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I don't have all the experience in the world, and yeah, I do have some, you know. And we've got stories, man. We tell stories, but we'll see that for another time. Yeah, I think we'll have to do this again uh, and do it on YouTube so people can see how physically big you are, man. You're fucking huge. All right, guys, if there's any question you guys might have about Corrections Unlock, topics you would like to hear discussed, reach out to corrections at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for our next episode.